But I think what is very important is that, you know, building a rapport with the customer. Now, what I mean by that is that when you build a rapport, you tell them that, you know, I'm someone that you can trust. I'm someone that will have your back when you are facing an issue. I'm someone who will make sure that if you don't get the desired service, which I promised at the start, I have an escalation metric so that you can reach to the, the right stakeholders who can answer your sort of question. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to and watching the one-to-one -one consumer marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Shaurya Tiagi, who is head of digital marketing and loyalty at Reliance Retail. Shaurya, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So I'll start with, uh, you know, I'll just go backward uh, with my journey. I'm currently heading uh, digital marketing and loyalty for an organization called uh, Geomart Partner. Geomart Partner is a brand which sits within Reliance Retail, which is one of the biggest retail groups in the Indian subcontinent. And prior to that, I have uh, worked in a, for a mobile manufacturer. I have worked for Oppo, based out of their APAC hub in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Before that, I used to work for an insurance company based out of India. And the task for me over there was to build their D2C business, which was direct-to-consumer business. Prior to that, I worked in some advertising agencies. And my first role after finishing my post-graduation was with a gaming company. So I think I got a sort of uh, lucky to land into a job which was all about building retention and loyalty through digital platforms. And whatever I learned over there, I've just, you know, added on it as I've progressed in my career and, you know, hence the role. So it's like, you know, sort of completes the full circle. Yeah, thank you so much for that overview. I think going to be very interesting to dive in how you think about retention and loyalty particularly as you've been exposed to the agency side, as you said, you've been in gaming and mobile and as part of one of the largest retail networks in India, I'm sure you also have very, you know, a lot of proximity to mobile. And I know mobile is huge in, in India for retail and for e-commerce as well. So I'm really excited to hear about your experience there. Now, before we really get started, can you give me high level how you would summarize the current state of consumer marketing today? So consumer marketing for different brands has a different objective. But most brands that I see, like in the market today, like whether it's about, you know, a platform or product or a service, they are sort of very focused on acquisition. So everybody wants to, like, if I consider like an agency, to them, a consumer would be a business who would give their, you know, their advertising business to an agency. Now, the agency works very hard in pitching to the new business and explaining to them that, you know, what all they can get if they work with the agency. But what sort of happens is that, you know, the experience that we provide to the business post we acquire that particular brand is not at par. So, you know, everybody is sort of focused at, you know, driving performance, driving acquisition, but there is very less which is thought about that. How do we drive retention of that particular business? And I think that's true across most of the marketing that we are doing today. Everybody is focusing on, you know, ROI and, you know, how do I get the maximum output out of all the spend that I'm doing. But everybody loses focus on that, that, you know, the important part after uh, getting a consumer 
is to how do you retain that consumer and how do you make sure that that consumer stays with you for a long period of time and doesn't think twice before switching to a different brand or a different product as such. I think all of us are in a state of flux that how much money should I spend in acquiring a customer and then how much money should I spend in making sure that they stay with us and you know become our loyal customers as such. Yeah, absolutely. So would it be fair to say that you think that almost too much attention has been paid to acquisition? And have you seen a shift in that more recently with how the markets have changed, how the economy has changed? Are you seeing with the brands that you're working with or have worked like that there's more attention being paid to retention? Yeah, I think COVID was sort of an eye-opener for a lot of us because when you look at traditional retail and you know the e-commerce marketplaces, the brands which are built on the back of traditional retail so in my previous stint, the mobile manufacturer that I worked with was built on the back of traditional retail and, you know, retail marketing, you know, driving awareness through the retail stores sort of thing. But when COVID came and then the, if those retail stores are not available, how do you retain the customer? And that's where a good, you know, CRM system comes into the place. Understand that, okay, if a particular customer is buying a mobile product from me, well, what is the propensity of buying, uh, you know, for them to buy this product again from me? Because mobile products are launched like a mid-segment phone is also launched like twice a year for us. So how, how do we do that? That's the first problem to solve. I think then the second problem to solve is that now in the retail space, it's easy to build, you know, awareness because you have like, you know, a big logo in front of the shop, which gives instant awareness to you. But in terms of marketplaces, there would be, I think in every market, there are like two or three leading players in terms of marketplaces. So how do you build, uh, you know, sort of awareness for your brand in the marketplaces? What sort of standardization checks you should have? Then comes the product strategy that, okay, do I have a product which is specifically built for marketplaces or am I selling the same product which is available in the, in the retail uh, space? So, you know, those sort of questions started bubbling up in COVID. And now as the economy, you know, is sort of, again, I mean, a lot of lot is happening in the US, a lot of ha is happening in China, same thing is happening in India. So everybody is trying to understand that, okay, how do you balance these equations of how much should I spend in retention marketing? How much should I spend on a loyalty program? And how many customers should I acquire? And if I have, increase my acquisition spends, am I giving a good experience to the user who's buying from me, from the consumer who's buying from me? I think those questions have become more pertinent and everybody is trying to, you know, balance this complex mathematics of, you know, solving for uh, retention and at the same point of time, giving a good experience to the consumer. Yeah, I think great points to make about, you know, how you solve for retention to keep a good experience for customers you acquire. And you also mentioned propensity to buy in terms of your job with, you know, the mobile manufacturer. So a key measure or, or way of analyzing your cohorts in CRM. You know, you've talked a little bit about it, but I'd love to learn more about how you really think about lifecycle marketing. You know, you've mentioned acquisition and retention yeah. in CRM, and then how you think about retention more specifically and, and how that fits should fit into company and marketing team strategy. Yeah. Now let's take a lifecycle for the consumer. So Again, going back to the, you know, the mobile example. So now the life cycle of the consumer is basically that you purchase a product from my store. 
or from an e-commerce uh, marketplace or from my own website. Now, in each of these three scenarios, how am I making sure that, you know, that you are getting a good experience? So if I double click on, on the retail part, so if you bought a product from the offline store, how do I make sure that I, you know, I have a constant engagement with you and I'm also able to understand your usage as such. So in terms of retail environment, we used to do things which are happening at the stores in terms of contests, in terms of engagement activities, calling our brand ambassadors to the store, you know, creating a meet and greet environment. So, and this used to work very well in the launch phase of the product. So once the product is launched, around three, four months down the line, then we try to look at that, okay, now the people have started, you know, using the phone. Now they understand which features are working for them, which features are not working for them. So if they have any issues with it, will they come back to my store again to ask me those sort of questions? So we had an app which was which used to come be installed in the phone. And that used to be our CRM app. So once you log into it, you are giving like, you know, small tasks that you, know, you went for a jog in the morning, why didn't you click a photo and tell us how, how it was? And if you fulfill that task, we'll give you some coupons which can be redeemed at, you know, some other retailers with which we had partnerships. So we are trying to understand that, you know, what sort of usage do they have towards the phone? And based on that, reach out to them at later level to see that, you know, if they would like the new phone in the same segment. So the retail environment never sort of goes out of the picture. And we also went ahead, you know, in some markets where we did some sort of if you have a problem with your phone, as in like, it's not performing at the same level as it was sort of earlier. So you can come down to the store and we'll give you like, you know, free service. So again, we are inviting them to the retail environment and showing them that, you know, what's there in the store, which they might potentially purchase. Like they might not purchase a new phone, but they can definitely purchase a new gear phone as such. So those sort of things are making sure that the entire life cycle of the product, which would be for a mid-segment phone, we would want it to be at least a year, year and a half, because then we'll release a new phone with some upgraded features. And we'll again reach out to them and say that, you know, if you pre-order this phone, we'll give you, again, certain discounts and there are some good bundle offers to you. So I think, you know, what sort of works with any sort of organization is to map the channel that I'm setting from and the product that I'm setting, how do I map that through the entire value chain of the customer? And where does my brand come into the picture? And where does the product feature and product benefit come into the picture? And through that, I'll be able to, you know, control that. Now, I mean, coming to the retention bit, what sort of works is that, that we have to understand the consumer to the T. You know, we have to understand which places do they go out for lunches for? What sort of, you know, mode of travel do they have? You know, those sort of nuances which you get to learn. And there are two ways to understand it. That one way is that, you know, sort of the offers that we are providing, how many of them redeem it? You know, what do they redeem offers with respect to a restaurant? Or do they redeem offers with respect to, for example, a boiler fuel station? So, which means that they are regularly traveling or, you know, stuff like that. So those sort of signals give us an understanding of who the customer is. And then, you know, you have the persona, you understand 
what did we assume the persona to be and what it actually is. And you, you know, you sort of, you know, keep fine tuning that as you keep launching new products. So, yeah, I think for me, that thing has worked pretty well across the organizations. And yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it absolutely does. I think it's a great example to showcase that no matter what the acquisition channel, right, whether it was direct or through a retail partner or, you know, online, however that might be, that it's all, it's about owning the relationship, right, eventually yeah. uh, with the customer and also about engaging with them in a way that helps you better understand who they are and collect yeah. first party and zero party data on their preferences, right? You mentioned exactly. transaction data on which offers are redeemed, but I'm sure you also have behavioral data of like how yeah. they're, you know, how they're engaging with the app. And so I find that's a great example too, of making sure that you offer value in exchange for the data to better understand the persona. So it's, yeah. I think, would it be fair to say that you feel like a, it's obviously essential for a brand to start owning the relationship as soon as possible with their customers? Yeah, I think absolutely. Like, you know, that relationship building, I think there are two parts to it. Like relationship building is one thing that the people, relationship could be about that, you know, okay, this consumer knows me. But I think what is very important is that, you know, building a rapport with the customer. Now, what I mean by that is that when you build a rapport, you tell them that, you know, I'm someone that you can trust. I'm someone that will have your back when you are facing an issue. I'm someone who will make sure that if you don't get the desired service, which I promised at the start, I have an escalation metric so that you can reach to the, the right stakeholders who can answer your sort of questions. And, you know, if the combination of that is done correctly, I think a lot of things are sort of solved if a consumer has, you know, an issue as such. So it's, I think it's relationship and sort of a building a rapport with a consumer. And once both of them, you know, are working in tandem, that's when you, you'll be able to give a good experience and you'll be, there'll be sort of an exchange of value. So customers won't have a problem in giving the right amount of data to me. And they wouldn't mind me using that data to reach out to them again, you know, but the tech, the data, I think we are all still evolving in that phase that, you know, how much personalization can you do? And does that personalization is overbearing for the consumer? Or it is actually helping them, you know, understand the communication and the values better. So, yeah, that's what I think about it. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, ultimately, uh, relationships are built on trust and rapport, as you mentioned, right? So it's yeah. like, how do we engage in that direct value exchange? And I think you touched on data, uh, you touched on personalization. Maybe that speaks a little bit to what you feel are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to customer retention and loyalty. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit today? Like, what, what do you think the biggest challenges are? I think when you're a market like India, which is not sort of, you know, similar in terms of geography, in terms of the language that people use, or sort of visual representation of, you know, their sort of culture, it's very difficult to do personalization because I'm based out of Mumbai, but I'm not from Mumbai. So if you go back into my past and you figure out that, okay, okay, who is this person? Where did he do his master's from? You will uh, figure out that that is a city called Ahmedabad, which is very different from Mumbai. Then if you go back and you try to understand that, okay, where did this person did his uh, graduation from? I'm an engineer. I'm based or I did my engineering from Bangalore, which is in South of India. And there are a lot of people like me who have moved around uh, different cities. So what is the language that I'll be comfortable in? I think I'll be comfortable in 
my mother tongue is hindi and i am a proficient english speaker but when a brand in my city or state would like to target me they would like to target me with a local language which is marathi so you know uh, you understand like you know there is an obvious dissonance over here because not everybody is comfortable in english but at the same point of time not everybody is comfortable in hindi so i think the segmentation that we do we have to understand that okay is the audience coming from a metropolitan city or they are coming from what in india we call as like you know tier one markets or they are coming from like you know rural markets and based on that i will be able to do some analysis and figure out that okay this is the language that they need and that's the end level of personalization i think it just starts with just saying that you know hi ben you've not bought from me since a long time but you've come back on my platform and you know make a purchase again so i think and i would say in context of india that we are all sort of trying to figure out that okay what is the preferred language of the customer i have to capture that on my platform first and then move it so a lot of platforms start with not asking that question and assuming that you know because this person is from a particular city they might speak that language they might look this way so on and so forth so i think that that's an important part to first ask the user preferences and that's where data comes into the picture that's where tech comes into the picture then map it to the user and then sort of figure out that how much personalization would you like to do so if i have you know selected particular languages if i have selected particular location and if i have you know selected certain other preferences about my you know persona that also wouldn't remain the same like five years down the line i might learn another language and i might be comfortable with it so you have to do a check again to see that you know am i now more familiar with the local language based on the geography that i am living in so can i be targeted with you know those sort of ads as such or the, those sort of visuals as such so i i think for a uh, good personalization it's good it's always important to understand the culture of that particular region once you are able to decode the culture then you are able to you know sort of personalize that here till that time and till the time we don't do that i think we'll be stuck at you know personalization based on name personalization based on past purchases personalization based on region i mean that's where we'll be uh, you know stuck at so i think we are in that process of evolving and churning that much data and linking that to the culture and coming to a meaningful conclusion and do marketing based on that so yeah that's my point of view yeah i love that example because i think for so many markets you almost yeah. take language as a given right that's yeah. like the baseline of personalization but obviously yeah. in the context of india that's inherently more complex and so it just adds yet another layer to the complexity of personalization at scale and i also love that you called out the ability to just ask a customer right rather right. than assume rather than assume their language preference why not ask them early on in the journey and then you're making life yeah. much much easier down the line yeah. another thing you referred to is that evolving set of preferences the ability to learn new language you know all things that i think a good crm retention loyalty strategy all of that requires all of those things right understanding your customer being able to ask them and log that data and then also being sensitive to changes in those variables across your your segments so yeah, yeah. very very unique 
insight into, I think, what is clearly a, a major challenge in India. You know, as you execute on that personalization at scale, what kind of channels have you seen work best in India and what about uh, least best? So I think when you're doing personalization and you're reaching out to the audience, the properties which are owned by you are best to do that. So if the user is coming onto my app and they are coming with an intention to make a transaction, so we will see that, am I you know, trying to understand their needs properly? Because if I do that on the advertising side, I can only control so many variables because I can't target that one or, you know, a cohort of customer which is looking, which is residing in a particular part of the one city in India. There are obviously targeting capabilities available, but imagine if I'm targeting everyone in the west of the country, and if I do pin code targeting, it'll be, you know, imagine the kind of creatives that I'll have to make, the number of creatives that I'll have to make. So I think it's, it's best because I have good enough first-party data. It makes sense to create personalization on my platform with respect to, you know, what should be the image when they come in which language should I you know, show the communication to them. And also at the same point of time, building that, you know, feedback loop so that if they are not comfortable with whatever I'm showing to them, there should be, you know, mechanism to, for them to tell me that, you know, this is something which is not okay. So if I'm changing the UX of the website, I should give them an option to, you know, switching back to the old UX because not everybody will be comfortable from the word get go. So that's what I think on the platforms which are owned by the brand. Whereas outside that, you know, for example, what some brands talk about that, you know, what is your behavior on my platform? So Spotify does that beautifully with, you know, Spotify app. Even I think a lot of brands have picked up that and they tell you that, okay, you know, last year you bought a lot of electronic and apparel from me. Why don't this year you also try to buy some shoes? or something else uh, as such. I think that sort of personalization, which is based on the first party data, but I'm reaching out to customers outside my own platform, whether through an email or through WhatsApp. I think that is beneficial for making sure that, you know, you're creating a wow experience for the customer. And they would be then, you know, curious to know more about this and then getting them back on the app. So sort of, Again, creating a loop based on existing data and trying to make sure that the customer comes back on your platform again to look at you know what's new as such. And along the way, you know, create commerce where the customers are purchasing more based on the personalization. Because I think what we all need is a little bit of you know warmth from the brand that we are investing so much in. When I'm investing so much of money, I'm investing, and in our case per se, in my, in my current role, the merchant is actually ensuring that his business will run smoothly if I'll make sure that I'm giving them a good experience. So I think a little, showing a little warmth to the customer, to the consumer, and, you know, seeing that, you know, how that warmth can be extended at scale, that is the, I think, what defines personalization for me, that, you know, how much can I do on my own platforms? And if I'm going outside my platform, how can I create those wow experiences for the customer as such? Yeah, I think the the Spotify example is a great one of the, you know, using that first party data to create a wow experience to add value to your customer, but then 
creating a very shareable, like yeah. impressive wow moment that then leads to the virality of that campaign. So I think it's a great one to call out. You mentioned WhatsApp as a channel as well, which I, I know in India can be a huge channel. Do you have any experience there? And what has been, you know, how do you feel about using messaging channels like that in your marketing mix? I think WhatsApp is a good channel to for both creating a shopping experience and to create a, you know, sort of one-to-one messaging experience. We have not yet tried the shopping experience as such, but the messaging experience is, you know, we've done some, you know, just tested those waters trying to understand that how do people respond to that. But I think my biggest learning over there is that, you know, because it's a service that everybody's, you know, logged into throughout the day. I mean, you don't, I mean, you might switch off Facebook or you might switch off Instagram or you might not look at YouTube, but you can't just move away from WhatsApp. So that channel has a lot of attention towards it. But I think what everybody confused with with is that, you know, because I can do one-to-one, I will do it as many times as possible. So I will tell you in the morning that, hey, you've just woken up while you buy something. Hey, you're just uh, taking an afternoon break while you buy something, you know? That sort of thing. So we have to uh, see that, you know, which sort of campaigns will make the consumer stand up and look at me. Because if it's a marketing channel for me, it's a marketing channel for, you know, 20 or 30 other brands that they, you know, speak to in the day. So that's where I think we look at what is the best time of reaching out to a consumer so that we can impact the purchase. What is the best time to reach out to a consumer to understand that we can you know, give them an information so that their business practices become better. So we, you know, it's not all about telling them that this promotion is going on and that is why you should come back to my app. But also sort of telling them that, you know, taking the road of content marketing, telling them that this is how you can use my app better or this is how you can do business with me better. So, you know, again, sort of making that same sort of a loop that starting with, you know, some content which is relevant to them. And then telling them that, okay, if this content is relevant to you, why don't you check out these uh, you know, promotions that I have and also come back from the, the app to do the commerce. So doing a mix of that, I think that's what is uh, working for us. Right? Yeah, I completely agree, right? Such a powerful channel. Uh, yeah. you do, like you said, you just can't turn it off. And it's where you connect with friends and family. But obviously with that power of how much attention is on WhatsApp, you also have the responsibility as a brand yeah. to make sure that you really have, you know, you create rich experiences, you don't spam people and you offer, yeah. like you said at the beginning, you offer value. And I think that is that was what will build the trust. But I think as a channel, once you do those things right, it's very, very powerful. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe... Looking forward a little bit, what technologies in the marketplace are you you most excited about right now? I think, in my opinion, I think the conversations about, you know, AI and, you know, all these things heating up. I think that, you know, a good amalgamation of AI and human intervention can, you know, sort of create the right experience for the consumer. And taking the easiest, or I would say the most implemented use case as such is that the customer service chatbots. Now, in most cases, the customer service chatbots try to point you to an FAQ section, which is already built on the website or the app, which I don't think is the right experience because we are thinking that the consumer is dumb enough and they have not read their FAQs and that's why they are coming to the chat. But that's not the case. So I think like there, if you can have good conversations 
with the consumer, not restricting to, you know, sort of FAQs, but also looking at the past data. That if, for example, if the query is about that my transaction was not successful, what should I do? Or, yeah, let's look at that use case. So instead of giving, you know, a ready-made reply, if you can say that, you know, you know, thank you for query 15 users in the last five hours have also faced this issue. And we have been able to resolve their complaints or their queries within five hours. So can you please wait for five hours and then come back? So I think that's, I mean, in this use case, we have given enough information to the consumer and sort of this transparency. And at the same point of time, given a timeline to them. The current timelines in most of the brands would be like, we'll get back to you in 24 hours or we'll get back to you in two days or, or a week also in some cases, which I think further aggravates the consumer because first of all, I've, you know, my money is stuck. The transaction has not gone through. On top of that, you're telling me that I have to wait for two days to get a reply from you. So I think there, I think AI can play a part. And obviously, if that still doesn't, you know, sort of resolves the complaint or resolves the query for the consumer, that's where human intervention can come in and, you know, we can actually tell them that, okay, we spoke to XYZ departments and, you know, this is where your transaction is stuck at. And, you know, we'll, we'll give you a reply again, you know, talk in terms of hours instead of talking in days. And I've worked with a customer service team since, since quite a while. Until, unless you go to, you know, you're, you're in a retail environment where you can see the person. Or you're in an environment where you can dial a number and again speak to a person. You always just, you know, you're, you just are anxious that, you know, have I lost my money? You know, are they going to refund me on time? Am I, whatever I bought, whether I'll get the same thing or not, that's like the anxiety is building up. So I think, you know, and a good tech, which, you know, makes sure that the anxiousness goes down easily with intervention, which, you know, further solves the problem. I think that that is one area I think that, you know, AI and human intervention can make sure that the consumer experience doesn't go bad, even if something is not right with my platform. So, you know, I think that's where the future should be because the technology is still evolving. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the ability to have much smarter conversations uh, with yeah. customers uh, in an automated way that can pull in the data from previous interactions to provide all the context in which they're reaching out. And as you said, really respond in, in instantly so that you lower that anxiety level. Uh, you, you create a much more positive experience, even if it's not always the immediate resolution of their issue, but it's more about providing context, providing like the ability that you have understood them and that you're acting on it. I think there is yeah. a lot of a lot of power there that will ultimately lead to to much better experiences, uh, to more trust in the brand, and then yeah. hopefully also to more you know repeat purchases with that brand. You know, I think looking over your career so far, what are kind of the top three pieces of advice you would have for other consumer marketers in this in this rapidly shifting landscape? I think, first of all, one thing that I've learned in my career so far is that consumers are not like, you know, our audiences are not just numbers. So let's not define them by no, uh, numbers that, you know, this is the person who is, uh, you know, 22 to 30 years old and he lives in this part of India and he earns this much or whatever, whatever. And you can replace India with whichever, uh, you know, country as such. But understand, you know, what sort of nuances, you know, define them. So what is the 
psychography of that person where does that person shop can you do you have all these signals or at least through secondary research can you reach up a particular con- uh, conclusion that you know this is the persona that i'm look going after once you have an understanding for them that i think then what's important is to look at you know what are the values which drive them so are they looking at the price are they looking at the price as related to the brand and brand is related to the experience so you know what motivates them more and then based on that you should look at you know what sort of loop i should create for them so that they you know are able to understand me better as a brand they are able to understand the my product offering better and then once they purchase from me they are able to understand my service offering better so if i you know sort of close all these ends then you know the lifetime value of the consumer would certainly be you know higher and at the same point of time i'll be able to create some sort of loyalty for them towards the brand so you know i i think over the period of time as i've worked in different businesses and you know handled different audiences i've sort of realized that that the person that i'm reaching out to is not changing the only thing that that is changing is that the values that i'm selling to them the products that i'm selling to them and sort of a service promise that i'm selling to them and if i'm able to define my consumer i'm able to define my brand promise my product promise and my service promise so then it you know sort of creates a good cohesive environment where 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 they tend to stay long Yeah, I think those are are fantastic pieces of advice, right? To really know your customer and move beyond basic demographic data mm-hmm. to kind of know the values that you represent as a brand and your products represent in order to engage with them and really build yeah. a lifetime value and ultimately create all of these feedback loops. I think marketing at the end of the day is a feedback process, right? So the the faster you can accelerate those loops, the more successful you'll be as a marketer. So yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing. You know, five years from now, looking forward, uh, no one loves to make predictions like this. But what do you think the future of consumer marketing looks like? I'll just go five years back and then probably go to the into the future. So five years back, I think across the world, everybody was talking about that. You know, physical retail is dead. It's all about e-commerce. Everybody is shifting towards e-commerce, and you know those sort of things. But the fact of the matter is that there are you know New York Times has a store. Amazon has a store you know and they are making good revenue from those channels it's not that i mean it's not the perfect model that anyone has created but you know we are moving towards that where a media company has a retail store and also a newsletter based on which they are you know they're trying to uh, retain customers and i think that's the future of the consumer marketing would be that we have to understand that you know If I'm a brand which is only present in digital, I will have to spend a lot in building the brand because customers are not, you know, are able to see me. So I'll have to spend a lot of money in making sure that I'm visible uh, to them. At the same point of time, if I'm a retail brand and I'm not present on digital channels, I'll always have, you know, this sort of I'm losing out on an opportunity to tap into the consumer as such. So I think the future of consumer marketing, and if I break down that the few, what is the future of consumer? The consumer will make sure that you know they are expecting you know similar sort of experiences when they are going into a store, and when they are coming on to your own website 
or they're buying from a marketplace. From the marketing perspective, it would be essential for people like us to understand that, you know, what sort of expectations does a customer have in the retail environment or in the online environment and in the marketplace environment. So I think the future of marketing and, you know, sort of retail and consumers would be a mixture of physical and digital. And then, you know, like whoever is making sure that, you know, they're able to give that sort of, you know, consistent experience throughout platforms. I think that in that particular category, that brand would be a winner. Yeah, absolutely. I think as, you know, things get more competitive as well and consumers have more and more information at their disposal, more ability to compare, creating that consistent experience is going to be key for brands that want to leverage all of those different acquisition channels, but also make sure that they're retaining their customers and building loyalty. So I think that's a a good vision of where marketers should strive for, what they should focus on. You know, Shaurya, that's all we have time for today. Uh, But thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights. You know, if people on the show want to follow your journey or send you a message about the show, where should they go? I think they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll be happy to take any conversation over to there. Okay, great. Well, yeah, you heard him. Uh, reach out to Shaurya Tiagi on LinkedIn uh, with feedback about the show. Uh, if you want to learn more about Spectrum and the work we do in the messaging space, go to spectrum.io or check out Spectrum on LinkedIn. Uh, Shaurya, thanks so much for, for joining thanks. us today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I, thanks for inviting me.